This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. We're up and running on this Wednesday. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. It's a special pre-draft edition of our podcast today. And greetings from Studio B on Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Sallerson here in studio as well. And today we kind of wrap up our NFL Draft preview series and set the table for the big weekend that starts literally tomorrow night in Chicago, NFL Draft 2016. Are you excited? Do you, do you have a handle on everything now? I don't. <laughs> That's why we continue the conversation today with a couple of our guests. We're going to finish up our conversation about the uh, NFC South teams today with uh, Bill Voth from Black and Blue Review. I didn't who, – who knew? Anyway, uh, he'll talk about the Panthers who picked 30th uh, in the first round. And uh, our old friend Wes Durham, the uh, radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons, stops by to talk about the uh, Falcons and so that will wrap up not only um, our draft preview series that went teams 1 through 11 up until the Saints pick at 12, but also we covered uh, the other members of the NFC South. We had Tampa Bay, and of course today, obviously we wrap that up with Carolina and Atlanta. I think the most important thing, though, when we talk about all of this draft preview stuff is our own team, the New Orleans Saints. I want to bring in John DeShazer here in our opening segment of Black and Blue Report. J.D. is on the telephone with us. Probably, uh, you know, locked himself into some dark room with one bright light and all kinds of draft notes. Right, John? Uh, with a with an old fashioned reel and a visor on my head. <laughs> so yeah, I'm 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 ready. I'm ready for it now, baby. I yeah. can tell you exactly who's going to pick who, where, and when, all the way through about the the maybe the top of the fourth round. After that, it gets a little shady for me. You should have your own draft guide. You know, if you're going to be, well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it because it seems to be a cottage industry. I mean, it seems yeah. like everybody and his brother's doing it, so maybe I should jump into that. Look, I, I do know, I do think, I, I think I know one thing, John, and that's this. We'll get to the Saints here specifically in a moment, but after going through our entire draft preview series here on Black and Blue Report, that's that's talking to all the teams picking one through eleven, plus Atlanta, plus Carolina. I think tomorrow night, Thursday night, will be wild. Um, I think that unlike last year where it was ho-hum, there, was no, there were no deals to be had, uh, it could be kind of nuts tomorrow night watching teams try to move up and down. We've already seen two moves. Uh, why not have a bunch more as the clock gets going? Well, I think it's a seller's market. I think people want to move up, especially if they feel like they can get the guy who they believe is an impact guy now. Uh, in this draft, you know, you keep hearing about the depth, especially defensively, so a lot of teams feel like they can hold out and stand pat and get the guy they want or a similar guy a little bit later. And so, you know, if you want to trade out of that, you know, fifth spot and go down to 11 or so and maybe still, you know, pick up a defensive lineman, there will be a quality guy there. So, you know, that's pretty much, you know, the feeling you get from it. But, again, you know, you got to find it. you got to find a partner and you got to find somebody who is, you know, willing to give up that compensation and move up. We know that Philadelphia moved up as well as the Rams. Well, they probably had, you know, some ulterior motives in that also. You know, the Rams needing to make a splash. They moved to L.A. They'll get a quarterback. They can build a franchise around. And a lot of times, you know, you get the hoopla that goes along with that. And the Eagles have a brand-new coach. They want a new franchise-type quarterback. I know Sam Bradford's a little bit angry about that. And he's, you know, threatened to hold out and wants to be traded and those kinds of things. But, you know, those two franchises – moved up so they can take quarterbacks that they hope can be the cornerstones of their franchise and it gives them a lot of buzz 
uh, going into an offseason where they hadn't had a lot of buzz. And, you know, let's be frank, you know, those moves will sell you tickets. They will create, you know, some activity in the city around around that team. And, you know, if you're talking about a, a, a team moving back, relocating back to L.A., that being the Rams, it will hopefully give them a push in terms of, you know, visibility and creating a splash in that Los Angeles market. So, but again, you know, both of those teams paid steep prices in order to move up. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I think, I think most folks were surprised at that price a little bit. Um, John, are you confident the Saints stay right where they are at 12? Or do you think there's some uncertainty as to where the Saints will pick in round one? Well, if, if I, if I had to, you know, you twisted my arm on it, I, would, I don't think they would move up. And, and the reason I don't think they would move up is because of the compensation. The Saints only have six picks in this draft, and they're looking to add quality bodies. Now, we know they felt like they added a quality rookie class as well as uh, free agent rookies last year. So they're trying to add quality bodies. And let's be frank, when you add rookies, they're cheap. It's cheaper labor. So, you know, I think they're going to go that route. And if they were to move anywhere, I think they might slide back and acquire some picks for doing so as opposed to moving up and losing picks in the process. Because, you know, when you do that to me, you're a franchise that feels like you're on the cusp. And I don't know if the Saints feel like they're right there knocking out and knocking on the door. I think they feel like they're pretty close. I mean, they feel like they played enough close games. And if those close games, you know, last year had gone their way, they might have been a playoff team. But, you know, you do that to me if you're trying to make a splash like the Rams and the Eagles or if you're a team that feels like you're pretty close to getting there and you might need that one impact guy, that one, you know, stud in the draft. And I don't know if the Saints feel necessarily that they're that one stud player away. So I'd be more inclined to think they'll stand pat or drop back a little bit as opposed to moving up because, again, moving up costs you. And when it costs you picks, you know, that's, you know, that's really, really, you know, a high price to pay for a team like the Saints that only had six picks in this draft. Without a doubt. Um, what do you think about all this quarterback talk? I guess all obviously this all surrounds Paxton Lynch, the kid out of Memphis, but it just gets louder and louder right now around the Saints that they're interested in a quarterback and it's Lynch. And I, I don't know. Do you, do, is it a smokescreen? Is there some validity to it? When you look at the list of needs, does it make sense? Well, you, well, yeah, yeah, you would think quarterback will be low on the list of needs for the Saints, especially if you're counting on a healthy Drew Brees. And let's not forget, I mean, uh, this might, and if they were to take a quarterback, that will probably speak to, I guess, the confidence that they have in or lack thereof, maybe in, in Garrett Grayson. I think it would say something about the pick they made last year at, at quarterback. So, you know, maybe it's a smoke screen where the Saints are just kind of throwing people off the scent. What you want to do is, you know, a lot of times when you speak to the Saints' uh, assistant coaches and scouts, you do your due diligence on all these guys because just because you don't take him now doesn't mean you might not be exposed to taking the guy or picking him up three years from now. And so this also helps in that evaluation process. What kind of kid would he like? What do we like about him back then? Has he has you know does he still have those skills? So a lot of times you end up you know teams will interview guys and work guys out that they won't pick or can't pick, or and maybe you know maybe two three years down the line. You know, maybe they say, you know what, maybe we can be able to get this guy now. We liked him a whole lot back then. What's changed? Do we still like him enough to pursue him? So I think a lot of times you see situations like that. But if they pick a quarterback, I, I, it would it would certainly surprise me if they take if they took one high because again they went with Garrett Grayson last year in the third round, and uh, that seems to be a pretty high pick for a quarterback, and that seems to be the quarterback of the future unless they saw something uh, in Garrett Grayson during that rookie year where they said, you know what, this just is not 
our guy. We, you know, we can't even consider this being our guy in the future. If you bring in another guy this this soon at quarterback, and certainly it's not a vote of confidence for the guy that you picked last year. But again, we'll wait and see. I, th- I don't think that either either you or me would sit here and pretend that we know all these guys coming out uh, into the NFL draft. So let's not pretend to be something we're not. <laughs> That's clear. One thing, though, John, is that we're around this football team enough to know perhaps what some of those needs are, um, specifically following the free agency period. So if we were to look at the Saints draft, 12th you know, overall in the first round, then, you know, as you mentioned, one pick in each round subsequently with the exception of round six. Um, what do you see the Saints trying to accomplish here if they're going need-based in this draft? Well, I still think they go defense. And I know they signed three linebackers, in, including Laronitis uh, from the Rams, and I know they signed a defensive lineman, uh, Nick Fairley, who was highly regarded, hadn't had a great pro, pro career yet, but uh, certainly people, you know, love the way he's, you know, he played at Auburn and, and thought, you know, he projected as a, as a better player in the NFL. But I still think that, you know, you've got to get that impact pass rusher that they have not been able to get, you know, in free agency. You've got to have somebody on that other side. And, um, you know, Cameron Jordan, we know, is on one side. How old Takaha showed some flashes last year, um, maybe hit a little bit of a rookie wall and, and, and got injured and got nicked up a little bit as the season progressed. But certainly Kakaha is a candidate for that. But I still think they want another, you know, guy who can impact the game in terms of rushing the quarterback. Uh, they still – I believe, would go after a defensive tackle. You know, they keep saying, you know, we want a three-technique guy. I think they still hadn't really solved that, even though they picked up Nick Fairley and they have John Jenkins on this roster. You can't ever have too many quality defensive linemen. So I think they'll still concentrate fully on the front seven early in the draft. I'd be surprised if they went after a wide receiver. I know they want a receiver. I know they, you know, feel like they need some help there. I know they want an offensive guard. Uh, They feel like they need a little bit of help there. But I'd be surprised if they went after those guys early, early. Because, you know, at receiver, I'm not saying they're set, but you've got Brandon Cooks, you've got Willie Sneed, you've got Brandon Coleman. They feel pretty much like they have the top three. Now what happens to the depth behind those guys? Can you uncover another Willie Sneed? Can you uncover another Brandon Coleman? You know, are you going to have to bring in some veteran free agent to kind of buoy that, you know, kind of bolster that, that area in that position? But I think – they feel good enough with those positions the way they wouldn't go with them early. I think they still need defense. But let's, let's be frank here. The Saints had the either worst defense or next to the last defense and points allowed and yards allowed. And those are areas that have to be considered. They have to be compensated for. I don't care how good your offense is. If it's in a position to where it's almost got to be perfect, to where it's got to score you know, 28 to 35 points a game, then it's going to be difficult. You have to have some guys defensively that can get off the field time to time. You know, they don't have to, you know, this thing, when you talk about the steel curtain or the 85 bears, anything like that, but to be able to get off the field, especially on third down from time to time, they have to have that kind of, you know, that kind of defense. They have to have some guys who are able to make an impact in terms of creating turnovers. So I still think they go defensively early. I think those are all things that cannot be ignored. John, one last thing. Speaking of not being ignored, uh, with Vin- Vinny Sinceri being released earlier this week. Boy, doesn't that just shed light on how difficult this whole thing is. You, know, you talk about having a, a really good draft last year. All you have to do is go back two years now and say, only Brandon Cooks is left from that draft. Man, Man. this is a weekend that I like to watch. <laughs> I'm certainly glad I don't have to participate. 
Oh, man, it is such a role of the dice. And imagine your livelihood being attached to this. I mean, you know, you, you, you're a scout, and you go out and you look at a kid, and you say, this is our kind of kid, and he fits our system, and he looks good. And, you know, you get him in, and, you know, he's in OTAs, and he's at, you know, mini camp, and he goes to training camp, and you feel like you might have a hit. And then the guy, you know, in the hit. And, I mean, it, it's just it's a really difficult process of drafting players. That's why the teams that do it well, you know, you have to applaud them because you've got to know exactly what kind of guy fits your system in terms of talent, in terms of temperament, can he fit into the locker room, and all those kinds of things, all those variables that go into it. You know, is he coachable? You know, is he a, a guy who's you know going to ask a lot of questions? Is he a smart guy? And, I mean, you know, there's so much that goes into it. Every draft night and the day after, every team feels like they hit a home run. They feel like they got exactly the guys they needed. You know, those guys are going to fit their system. Those guys are going to make their team. Those guys are going to be longtime contributors. And as you mentioned, we look back to the draft two years ago, only Brandon Cooks remains from that entire draft, you know, for the Saints. So, man, it, it is such a hit-and-miss deal that, you know, it, it's amazing. It's amazing that, you know, you're live, you know, that people have livelihoods attached to this because it's such a difficult process. Without a doubt. John DeShazer and myself will be on set tomorrow night in our studio across the way here on campus, getting ready for our live stream broadcast on NewOrleansSaints.com. We're going to take a look at the draft. Uh, we'll keep the, up the speed on the news, and we'll offer some uh, uh, thoughts and uh, different uh, guests from a Saints perspective. John, I look forward to that, and I'll see you tomorrow night for round one at, what, 7 Central? Is that right? Yeah, 7 Central, buckle up. It's going to be a long night for us and uh, for everybody listening and for everybody doing everything <laughs> else. Man, it's, it's going to be a long process, so uh, have a little patience, and uh, we'll buckle in and and have a good time doing it. Yeah, I think good time is what we'll have to do. Um, and I think it will be. I think it'll be exciting tomorrow night. A lot of movement. Hey, still two teams to talk about here on our final Black and Blue Report before the uh, draft. We've got to cover the Panthers and the Falcons. Right back after this. Trust isn't something that's easily built over video screens or with long-distance calls. That's why at Whitney Bank, we make it a priority to be here for you with more local branches offering face-to-face -face service. Whitney customers leave with more than a transaction receipt in hand. We listen to your goals and have what it takes to help you achieve them. Drop by today and ask about our new relationship checking packages with built-in personal identity security features. Whitney Bank, here today, here when you need us, here to build a future with you. How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. Josh Groban on stage Friday, July 15th at Bold Sphere Music at Champion Square, featuring songs from his new album Stages as well as his classic hits with very special guest Sarah McLaughlin. Get access to preferred tickets with your city card. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or by phone at 1-800-745-3000. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Let's turn our attention now to the Carolina Panthers. And 
And we've been talking about picks 1 through 11 and uh, 12 of the Saints, 17 for the Falcons. Well, because Carolina was so good last year, winning the division at 15-1 to and representing the NFC, we've got to slide all the way down to 30 at the near the end of the first round there. Bill Voth from Black and Blue Review in Charlotte, North Carolina, joins us here on the Black and Blue Report to talk about Carolina and what their draft weekend will look like. Bill, first of all, thanks again for the time. And um, I'm sure it's been an interesting offseason following – you know, what all played out with the Panthers this, this season past? Well, it wasn't an interesting offseason, to be honest, until last week when this whole Josh Norman stuff uh, came to be. And, I mean, really, the, the biggest story around here just continued to be uh, how Cam Newton acted in a press conference after the Super Bowl. So <laughs> uh, the offseason was, was pretty was pretty non-eventful. They, they obviously didn't go out and really shine any big names yet again. And, and draft-wise, it, it was kind of tough to – get people excited about because they're sitting down there at 30 they didn't really have too many huge needs so uh, the josh norman stuff uh, spice some spice some things up so i kind of figured you'd begin our conversation about that um and you hear under one report saying that you know norman and his people waited too long he went back and said hey i want to sign this and the pan- what what really happened here or what are you able to say about what happened in this josh norman departure from charlotte all of what you've heard so far yeah. is true. Really? That Those are all layers of it. The Panthers are happy to have $14 million more million to spend. Uh, they they were having a, a, a disagreement with the agent. The agent was inexperienced and wasn't doing all that great of a job. The Panthers did want to sign him to a long-term deal, and they didn't want to have to go into uh, training camp with this stuff hanging over their head. All that is true. Uh, but what we know is that this does not happen in the end. You just don't pull a tag off of a Pro Bowl guy in April when you have a few months left. Uh, something else happened here. What that is, it's unclear yet, obviously. The reporting yeah. hasn't been flushed out. I'm not sure if it ever will be. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying my best to figure out what it was. But, but something did happen, and, uh, and, and there's more to be revealed. There's, um, I know in, 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 our, in this media world we all have to make judgments right away, uh, but – but there's more reporting to be done on the story, and uh, and I think it will reveal uh, something else that that made the decision uh, more clear because it, it obviously doesn't make sense because NFL teams just don't do. Carolina's never been known to overspend. I mean, let's let's keep that. I guess let's look through that lens for a moment, Bill. But but yet we're still talking about what many regarded as the best cornerback in the business over the last 12 to 24 months. Um, I guess the next obvious question is, how do you replace that? Uh, with a pass rush, because as, as much as Carolina was willing to spend $14 million on, on him this year and uh, about $11 million for over four years, if, if he would have gone, done that for a long-term deal, they don't value him as much of a guy like, as a guy like Haywan Short who will get a long-term deal sometime this offseason that'll start at about $15 million. So uh, I talked to Dave Gettleman before last season, and it was kind of like, hold up, hold up, hold up, because I asked him about shutdown corners, and he said, shutdown corner is a misnomer. There's only one shot shutdown corner in the league. That's Darrell Revis, and, and even then, it's, it's, I think it's, it's a misnomer. There, you can't cover a guy forever. You don't have good cornerbacks unless you have a pass rush. So that's where that that is where their focus is, and so will they replace a guy with anybody they have in their roster right now? No, probably not, and probably not in the, in the draft. But uh, you know what, Josh Norman, just a year and a half ago or a season and a half 
ago, we were wondering who was who was going to be at which Josh was going to be active on game day. Josh Thomas or Josh Norman. Mm-hmm. So so Josh Norman really just exploded onto the scene. It's not like he's a guy that the Panthers went out and spent money on and, and Gettleman knew was going to be great. He inherited this guy and and he grew into a guy where a team was willing to pay fifteen million a season for him. Interesting. Um, some would say that the Panthers should trade themselves right out of the first round. There is a fifth year. Uh, available to those that you draft in the first round. Does that reason and that reason alone keep Carolina in the first round at number 30? It 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 means the odds are in their favor that it'll keep them in the first round. Mm-hmm. No question. But they're in a good spot as far as if somebody really wants a quarterback, whoever is left, they're in a good spot because Denver needs a quarterback. So they are in a little bit of a power position depending on how the quarterbacks fall down the board. Uh, and, and so if a team wants a quarterback ahead of Denver, uh, then, then I, the Panthers would list him, and, and they would be willing to, to move, say, if they got you know, a couple twos, maybe a three, something like that. Uh, but it, it would have to be a you know, good offer, and, in, and they're not going to – they will, they will be glad to take a pick at number 30 because uh, they like using that fifth-round option. What needs do the Panthers still have? I mean, obviously they were 15-1 and one last year, um, made their way all the way to the Super Bowl. But, but, Bill, when you look at the Panthers, what are some of the things that they'll look to shore up or, or fill uh, perhaps with this weekend's draft? Well, they don't really – they say this, and I know, well, that's what they say. And, and they don't really go and look into fill holes. That's, that's what they do in free agency with their, with their signings that aren't all that exciting. Is they, they patch up those obvious holes. Well, what happened last week with Josh Norman, yeah, that's, I think that's become a bit of a need, yes. Uh, but pass rush, gun to their heads if you're like, listen, if you have a need, what is it? I think they would say yes. Developing a young pass rusher, getting a guy that uh, – pass rushers, they, they take a while to develop, and so it's not a guy that's going to come and, and help them win a Super Bowl this year, but it's a guy that they can bring along that can replace Charles Johnson after after he's done in another year or, or if, he, if he decides to – to stay a little bit longer, uh, so so pass rush I think is is the goal, and then it, it, will they will they take a cornerback uh, sometime in the draft? Yeah, probably. Uh, but as far as needs, as you mentioned, they're fifteen and one. Uh, they they did fill up some holes this offseason. They don't have too many glaring ones at, at, at cornerback. Good problems to have or not have, I guess is the case. Yeah, Bill, if folks want to follow you on Twitter, how can they do so? Uh, I'm at uh, the website's at Black Blue Review. That's all the Panther stuff. Black Blue Review, no and in that one. And then I'm just Bill Vos. That uh, I talk, uh, you know, politics. And, and and I no, I'm just kidding. I don't really talk all that <laughs> politics. On, on uh, the yeah. That's never a fun conversation to get into on Twitter. No, it's a slippery slope there. Good stuff, yeah. Bill. And uh, we'll be watching for the Panthers. And uh, we'll uh, see you all soon enough in the fall for uh, two meetings in the NFC South. Thanks again. Yeah, we've got our visit down there for Halloween weekend. I'm yeah. sure that's going to be a, a decent time. Uh, it will be an interesting one. I'll, I'll at least give you a heads up on that. <laughs> there, there he goes. Bill Voth, a uh, member, of, of course, uh, of the uh, media contingent covering the Carolina Panthers. And, of course, he is to be found at Black and Blue Review. Not to be confused with Black and Blue Report, which will continue in a moment. Power outages turn your world upside down. You need to know when your power will come back on, and you want to know what happened. The fastest way to stay informed? Entergy Text Alerts. You'll get prompt updates on when your power will be restored and on what happened. You can even send a text to be sure your outage is being repaired. 
When the power is out, what's faster than calling? Texting. Sign up today at EntergyText.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. New Orleans 2016. One night. One band. New Orleans, they're back. Guns and Roses, live for one night only. July 31st, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Get access to preferred tickets with your city card. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back. We continue to uh, get ourselves ready for the NFL draft by getting oh so close now and uh, basically wrapping up a conversation about the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons, who will draft the 17th overall in the first round. And to help us to do that is our old friend, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons, Wes Durham, who joins us from a particular tee box somewhere in Georgia, I would imagine. Right, Wes? <laughs> you got it. It's off season, right, Sean? This is what we're supposed to do. Well, Until assume... the draft actually starts, we just play golf, right? That's the, that's as far as I will go. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I There are certain people that I'd love for them to believe that and then others that I don't want them to know that. Is that fair? That's exactly right. Um, what hole are we on, by the way? We're getting ready to start the back nine. Okay. Uh, not a very good finish to the front. We bogey bogeyed on the last two holes of the front. So. Okay. Um, well, then let me uh, let me help you at the turn here with some conversation about your Atlanta Falcons who are coming off that 500 season. Uh, Wes, when you look at the offseason thus far for the Falcons, what would you say are the headlines at this point? Well, obviously, you know, the release of Roddy White would be one. You don't cut loose the guy who's the all-time leader in terms of receiving Yards, receptions, touchdowns, 100-yard games, 1,000-yard seasons, all those things without, you know, some ripple effect. Um, so I think that would be the big one. The second one for me would be the signing of Alex Mack, the free agent center from Cleveland. Sean, there, there was one guy they needed in free agency, and that was the guy. They had to get a center to stabilize the offensive line because of its inconsistencies a year ago. They really didn't have any choice, so I think at the end of the day, you know, signing Alex Mack was huge. The release of Roddy White obviously created some ripples, you know, from in terms of a legacy standpoint. We've all been there. I think New Orleans was there with Marcus Colston to a degree. But then, you know, Mohamed Sanu's a nice sign for him. I'll, I'll leave that to ultimately see what it becomes. But right now I'll take it as a guy who's been productive in this league, but he's got to stay healthy for 16 games. So in what ways then, Wes, does that frame up what the Falcons will look to do this weekend, starting with the 17th pick? Well, Sean, I'm not sure they're going to pick 17. I, they've only got five picks in the entire three-day process, and I'm not sure this is an organization that doesn't back down in the first round in order to maybe pick six or seven times, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I just don't think Atlanta at 17. I, you know, we keep hearing the one thing about the draft is from 15 to 45, there's no difference. Well, I'm not sure what the scenario is, but Atlanta picking at 17 might be able to get the same player at 25. And if that's the case, I expect them to drop down in the first or even – maybe drop all the way down to the bottom of the first and then maybe acquire another two or another three along the way. Wow. Um, more on that in a second. When you look at the, the fact that they could drop down, all we keep hearing about is the quality of defensive line, pass rushers, that group. Is that something the Atlanta Falcons also have to jump in on with everybody else? Um, I'm not as sure the defensive line is as premium as the linebacking situation is. I think okay. that's the – I think that's the biggest thing facing the organization. And, 
you know, it's easy to look at the three or four guys there and say, okay, I got a chance to, to make a play here. But, you know, it'll be interesting to uh, to see how they pull it off for sure. With the, By the with, way, hold, please. Yes, hold, uh, please. Yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, Wes Durham on the uh, 10th tee. Not sure if this is part three or part four. Certainly would not put part five. I think I tried to take too much off the dog leg. Okay. Par four? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you in play? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. This is quite an image you're painting for yourself here. <laughs> I would only do it with my closest friends. You know that, I understand. Right? And, yeah, and it's a podcast. We can do whatever we want. I mean. That's exactly the point. That's the only reason I would do it for you is because I know it's a podcast. Perfect. Um, all I know is nobody yelled four, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> yes. You know my game pretty well, don't you? Uh, well, no, no. You're much better than I am these days. Yeah. Um, and I know that you're now currently moving in the golf cart. Um Listen, Wes, when you talk about the Falcons wanting to move down or perhaps thinking about moving down, that's a theme that I keep hearing over and over again with all these conversations with the teams 1 through 17. I I have a feeling that Thursday night, just for the pure entertainment value, is going to be wild at this point. Um, Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think think you're talking, and and we all know this because we've been around the league long enough, some of this is a little bit of a smokescreen, okay? I mean – you know, people keep talking about moving down, and yet they'll be the most active people on Thursday night by a long shot. Right. So that's the one thing that keeps coming back to me is not everybody can move down because not everybody in reality wants to move down, you know? Well, that's yeah, that's safe. And I think there are a lot of smoke screens going on right now. Uh, Wes, before I let you go, when you look at the division in general, you know, Carolina 15-1, and now Josh Norman's not there. They're going to pick yeah. later than all of us. You guys at 17, maybe. Saints at 12. Tampa Bay's got some interesting things to do after last year's big splash with Jameis Winston. What does this division do, or how does this division look after this particular draft? Drastically different, not different at all? What is your opinion? I think it's a little different, but I don't think it's as big a deal as people think it is. I think the I think Norman's loss in Charlotte is a huge deal. Now, But remember, that's a franchise that's built that defense from the front to the back. Remember how many guys, and, and you know this about Roman Harper. Right. Roman Harper wasn't a great player when he left and now all of a sudden became a really good player in Carolina. Probably has to do with those guys up front, doesn't it? Well, absolutely it does. Yeah, and I think that's probably what we're going to find out about Norman, too. Well, good point, because we saw the same thing with Brandon Browner here last year. Yep, and, exactly. Yes. And I think, it, I think it has something to do with the guys in front of you, and that's the way Dave Gettleman's built that organization. I'm fascinated by that risk. It. You know, you could say it worked for when they cut loose Steve Smith. We'll see if it works with Josh Norman. Uh, but I, I think this division's a little different. I don't think it's drastically different next fall. Fair enough. Let's summarize with this. Wes, on Sunday morning, uh, what will be the headline regarding the Atlanta Falcons weekend? They had more picks than they started with. Fair. And needed. They start with a, I, think, I think the number will be seven. They start with five tomorrow at noon. I think it'll be seven by the time they're finished. Good point. We'll see how it plays out. Wes, uh, hit him straight and uh, <laughs> enjoy. Take care, Sean. Anytime. You. you got it. There he goes. Wes Durham, voice of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, off he goes under the back nine. Sounds like it's a little work to do on number 10. <laughs> we got a little work to do as well. Wrapping up our final black and blue report before the NFL draft here in just a moment. Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. At Auctioner, we get that. So we've made our care more schedule-friendly, like offering same-day appointments. 
Need a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an OBGYN? We'll get you in to see someone today. Many of our specialists are available the same day, too. And with health centers all over Greater New Orleans, there's bound to be one near you. Many are open late and on weekends for your urgent care needs. And if it's something serious, Auctioner has you covered with nationally ranked care for your most complex conditions. Want additional convenience? Now you can make appointments with many of our physicians on our website. And once you become an Auctioner patient, you'll be able to do even more online, like email your doctors, see test results, and refill your prescriptions, all with a simple click. Make an appointment today at auctioner.org or call 866-AUCTIONER. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Trust isn't something that's easily built over video screens or with long-distance calls. That's why at Whitney Bank, we make it a priority to be here for you with more local branches offering face-to-face service. Whitney customers leave with more than a transaction receipt in hand. We listen to your goals and have what it takes to help you achieve them. Drop by today and ask about our new relationship checking packages with built-in personal identity security features. Whitney Bank, here today, here when you need us, here to build a future with you. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com, your first stop when following your teams. We now turn our attention to the NFL Draft, and uh, that will be next on our docket. I hope that you'll join John DeShazer and Jen Hale and myself and a cast of dozens probably (laughs) as we take you through the uh, three days of the draft at NewOrleansSaints.com. Our coverage tomorrow night will begin at 7 p.m. We've got a lot of great stuff on tap for you. Look, we're not there to, I guess, become the number one, your number one source for the NFL draft. We want to be your number one Saints source for the NFL draft. We're going to talk to the guys that the Saints select. We're going to talk to the Saints who have been through this before and get their draft day or draft night stories. We'll also take you around the facility here and give you a live look in on a lot of the doings uh, with regards to draft day here at, at the Saints headquarters. So, It'll be unique. Some of you have seen this before. We continue to try and improve on it every year, but uh, we'll we'll do our third rendition of it starting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. It'll continue Friday night and then wrap up on Saturday with those final rounds uh, as well. So no black and blue report Thursday and Friday is because we're doing this draft coverage. Our last black and blue report of this sports year for us actually will be on Monday, and we'll recap the Saints draft. We'll have John DeShazer on uh, we'll replay some of the interviews that we did during our draft coverage at NewOrleansSaints.com. And then we'll kind of put the thing to bed for the season. And uh, next stop will be OTAs and minicamp and the NBA draft for the Pelicans in June. But then the Black and Blue Report podcast will resume in earnest at the start of Saints training camp in West Virginia in late July. We'll, we'll, we'll cover some more of that on Monday. Uh, again, a uh, big thanks to Bill, Bill Voth today and uh, Wes Durham, our guest, John DeShazer, too. I hope that you've learned a little bit about what teams are looking for from those who are covering those teams on a daily basis. And, um, and we'll see how this plays out now. You know, as John would always say, the hay is in the barn. <laughs> so let's see what the Saints and everybody else does. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll be talking to you throughout the weekend and then wrapping up on Monday. For Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. See you next time on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com.
Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. Thank you.